hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator. Welcome back to the next episode of BC Law's Just Law Podcast. I'm Tom Blakely. I'm here with Jim Fiore and Professor Daniel Lyons to talk about the prospective TikTok ban that's being debated in Congress. Uh, Professor Lyons is a professor and the Associate Dean of Academic Affairs at BC Law. He specializes in property, telecommunications, and internet law, and administrative law as well. Before joining BC Law, Lyons practiced the firm of Munger, Tolles, and Olson in Los Angeles. He also clerked for Judge Cynthia Holcomb Hall of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Lyons has testified before Congress and state legislatures and has participated in numerous proceedings at the Federal Communications Commission. His work has appeared in legal journals such as the Emory Law Journal and the popular press including Forbes Magazine, U.S. News World Report, and the Wall Street Journal. He's also a non-resident senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute where he has written more than 150 blog posts on tech policy issues. Professor Lyons, welcome. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Uh, all right. Well, before we get into it here, if you'd just like to set the stage of what's going on with this TikTok ban, it seems like it's picked up steam over time. There's been a lot of headlines coming out of Washington in the last week about people having all sorts of problems with TikTok and what to do about the app, but uh, could you just set the stage for us. Yeah, I think part of the problem is that everybody sort of identifies TikTok as a problem, but they're having a lot of trouble figuring out what the problem actually is, right? So uh, the story of TikTok regulation begins way back in the Trump administration when uh, toward the tail end of the administration, maybe as part of the president's larger war on big tech, maybe part of his uh, attack on China, right? Uh, he proposed that uh, TikTok be banned from the United States and also that uh, TikTok's corporate uh, parent, ByteDance, divest the company and sell it to the United States as a condition of allowing the platform to continue to operate. Those measures never got any traction, but the ideas behind them continued to sort of flourish in the zeitgeist and have come up in a big way as TikTok has grown to be right now the most downloaded social media platform in the United States. So uh, more recently, we've seen steam build up uh, on a more bipartisan basis to, for both of those moves, either a, a ban of the platform from American users or uh, divestiture. But when you push hard on why that should happen, I think you get a whole lot of different results. And untangling sort of what the drivers are of that is a key part of the uh, how the debate is going to be resolved going forward. Yeah, and so I feel like Many people think of TikTok as, you know, with videos, short short form videos of like dances and other memes and, 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 and obviously expanded to a, a wide range of content. But what is the actual data on the app that we would be concerned about a foreign government having access to and what would be the concern there? Yeah, I think there's two basic ideas. And, and I, I think you're right that narrowing it to what data is being collected on American TikTok users is probably the most legitimate of the a uh, bevy of concerns that are uh, floating around in the in the discussion space in this topic. So there's two basic issues we'd be worried about. One is that TikTok is collecting sensitive information about either government officials or important uh, private actors that they can then use for intelligence purposes, blackmail or whatever, right? The other is the ability to use seemingly innocuous data to try to gather information. So the uh, and this became a went from uh, potential to a real situation late last year, when uh, it was revealed that uh, a, a Chinese team and I don't know whether it was a CCP team or or not, uh, what managed to use TikTok data in order to. Uh, uncover who the anonymous sources were who were uh, uh, leaking information to the press. Uh, TikTok had been downloaded on both the um, journalists' devices and also the sources' devices. And by using the location data that the app was sending back to TikTok servers, they're able to figure out when those uh, profiles crossed and from that to identify who the who the sources were. So that's a sort of... Mm -hmm. um, 
uh, independently of, of getting specific information you can use against an individual, that's the other kind of sort of data mining that folks are concerned that uh, the CCP may give a get access to if we continue to um, uh, use TikTok the way we are. So it seems like there's a constellation of concerns here. You have the national security dimension, which is what you just spoke to, uh, you know, spying, espionage, et cetera, uh, in addition to mental health concerns that have been raised. You have this expression, TikTok brain. You know, there's questions about the impact of, uh, you know, predominantly young people who are spending hours scrolling through what's on TikTok, the threat of misinformation, uh, you know, questions about who controls, you know, what content is showed to teenagers and young people, uh, you know, body images, just everything that kind of comes with, uh, you know, a, something such as TikTok. But what is the bulk of the argument? Because you sort of hear all these things. It seems like everyone has a, you know, problem with TikTok for one reason or another. Um, but is there an argument that has more teeth than maybe some of the ar other arguments? Yeah, I think the national security issues are the primary concerns. Right? The second that you hear most common that's TikTok specific is the ability to somehow manipulate the algorithm in order to push um, uh, CCP propaganda or something like that. Mm -hmm. That I think is uh, maybe or may not be a serious problem, but if it is, it's protected by the First Amendment. And it's not really clear to me that um, I if we take that, even if we take that concern seriously, it's something that uh, the government should do something about. The solution to that is uh, better education, right? The solution to bad speech is more speech. Right. Um, independently of those sort of TikTok specific issues, there's also a whole host of what you might call social media in general concerns mm -hmm. that folks are worried about, right? Uh, things like um, addiction to uh, screen time, algorithmic amplification of uh, uh, bad content, things like mm -hmm. that. Those are not, I think, TikTok specific. Mm -hmm. And so I think using the TikTok debate to address those doesn't solve that problem. I think it's really important in this debate to set aside what are the things that we're worried about about TikTok in particular mm -hmm. rather than what are the things we're worried about about social media in general yeah. because those can only be addressed by more ge uh, generic legislation. Sure. So just follow up on that point exactly. You know, big tech is sort of persona non grata in Washington these days, but wh why is TikTok in particular facing such a ferocious assault whereas Instagram, Facebook, you know, these other – platforms who are no doubt in the business of surveillance capitalism and maybe doing some of the same things are not feast, you know, facing the same uh, you know, make or break moment that TikTok seems to be right now. I'm not sure that's 100% true. I think most uh, social media CEOs have been on the hot seat over the last few years. I think um, the jury's still out about exactly where either Congress or more likely the Federal Trade Commission is going to go mm -hmm. in the attack on, on big tech. But I think you're right that there's more of a support, uh, bipartisan support for um, taking adverse action against TikTok than uh, these other platforms. Part of it, I think, is um, a generational divide, right? There's a sense that TikTok has grown enormously fast and among an enormously young uh, user base. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure that the policymakers appreciate that TikTok is actually as important to Gen Z mm -hmm. as uh, Twitter and, and Facebook were to um, uh, sort of uh, old, uh, Gen X and millennial counterparts, right? Sure. So I think uh, the policymakers are underestimating the political price they might pay for what they uh, may do to TikTok, which I think was one of the things that was reining them in from taking stronger action against American platforms. So, and I think part of it's just jingoism, right? Yeah. So in other words, TikTok goes away. There's a, it sounds like there's a fear of uh, some, some backlash on there on the port, part of its supporters, its young users, perhaps. I think that uh, TikTok's certainly yeah. um, banking on it, right? They had influencers running the halls of Congress during the hearing a week and a half ago oh. uh, with the hope of trying to influence younger voters. I think that um, the folks in the room don't appreciate that um, people who are using TikTok really like it and that making it go away is, is going to be a serious problem. Yeah, so to follow up on that, this potential TikTok ban, um, I, I want to ask you about 
actual congressional power and, and could they actually do this? We have uh, the Restrict Act, which has been proposed, the Data Act, um, which has been proposed. But what would the legal complications be, the legal arguments that this wouldn't be you know, constitutional and Congress doesn't have the power to actually do this? Yeah, the, the, the biggest challenge, I think, is a First Amendment issue, right? A decision to ban TikTok nationwide, I think, probably violates the First Amendment. And the reason I say that is because um, so a, a TikTok ban is probably content neutral, but that in order for but it still is uh, suppressing a whole lot of speech, right? Every user who wants to use TikTok is now being told they can't use TikTok as a platform for what they want to do. So in order to uh, pass judicial review, uh, the government would have to show that the. Uh, the, the nationwide TikTok ban is furthering an important government interest unrelated to speech and is not um, suppressing significantly more speech than necessary to accomplish that interest. Uh, the, I think the, the it's not a perfect analogy, but the closest analogy we've seen to this is the Packingham case, Packingham v. North Carolina, where um, North Carolina uh, attached as a condition of uh, sex offenders post-release uh, um, uh, restrictions, that they couldn't use any um, social media apps. The concern was they might use the social media in order to try to entice minors and uh, engage in, in uh, to put minors at risk. And uh, the court recognized that protecting minors is an important governmental interest, but nonetheless said a complete ban on using all social media platforms, right, uh, chills far more speech than necessary to accomplish that interest. And I think the same logic holds true in this case. Even if we think it, um, it, the, the concern about collecting information and, and serving as uh, uh, an intelligence source for the CCP is legitimate, and the government would have to prove that, which um, I think is really hard to do without revealing a whole lot of confidential information. But even if they can improve that, and even we, we spot the government that, a complete ban uh, chills way more speech than necessary. There's a whole lot of stuff on TikTok that has zero intelligence value whatsoever, right? Mm -hmm. uh, dance videos and sea shanties and, you know, courtroom uh, dramas. And like, like, uh, all that would go away. And, and I think, so a complete ban uh, is not narrowly tailored. Mm -hmm. There are other ways you can get at that concern. And I think um, a court will pretty easily recognize because there's other ways to get at the national security interest at issue. A complete ban is unnecessary and therefore unconstitutional. Yeah. Just to follow up on that uh, quickly, just before moving on to the next question, as you alluded to at the at the onset, you know this does sort of emerge from the Trump era, you know, a period of time where there's been a trade war with China. You know, I think the, the Chinese government has no issue banning Western apps, Western social media platforms, Western goods, um, and being in a trade war. I know you sort of get into more complicated issues. Is there any role in the argument for the fact that it's a, perhaps a tit for tat? You're banning our platforms, we're banning yours. Does that, uh, you know, overcome First Amendment issues? Is it seen as just another thing that we're banning or, or is that a high bar to overcome if uh, Congress seeks to try to get rid of TikTok? Also, trade is is part of our uh, foreign policy, right? And foreign policy, foreign affairs is one of those places where the president's power is at its peak, uh, particularly if Congress is backing, right? The old... Um, uh, Youngstown uh, paradigm. That having been said, they can't take any action that's going to vi otherwise violate the Constitution, right? Mm -hmm. The fact that there's a foreign affairs issue at stake doesn't uh, uh, remove the protections that the, the First Amendment would otherwise give. So, no, I don't think that, that the, the fact that it's uh, part and parcel of a trade war, or even if it was part and parcel of a real war, right, <laughs> yeah. would necessarily um, uh, ev uh, eviscerate an otherwise pretty clear cut First Amendment case. Sure. Uh, next question. So, you know, you talked about uh, the, the the case that really poured fuel on the fire when it was discovered that uh, the 
Chinese government was, you know, using TikTok to try to find some leakers and, uh, you know, spy on some journalists. Does the U.S. need evidence to build a case that China and the Chinese military or the Chinese security state is in fact using TikTok for these purposes? In other words, evidence that this is going on, uh, you know, building the case that, uh, you know, this is in fact what the Chinese government is doing more so than just the accusation or the threat that, that this is something that China could use. In other words, what kind of case, what kind of evidence do you need to build to, to pass muster in trying to get this done? So I think in order to meet that sort of first prong of the First Amendment analysis, they'd have to show that the the important government interest is not merely conjectural. Mm-hmm. That having been said, I don't think it needs to be sort of a, a, a open and shut case either, right? Particularly where um, national security and intelligence sources are at, int- at, at stake, right? Um, the government has the option of preventing, uh, I'm sorry, uh, giving evidence in camera, for example, mm-hmm. uh, which would allow the judge to decide without uh, all the information being made public. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not uh, an expert on all of those nuances of how national security intersects with this area of the law. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think making up a story about how it might be uh, an intelligence source is probably insufficient to overcome the First Amendment. There have to be some sort of proof. And and what would an actual TikTok ban look like almost like mechanically? And are there concerns that it can be done like cleanly and completely without there still being some way for like the Chinese government or the, the former Chinese company to have access to that data? Well, so most of the proposals are focused on the company itself, saying the company can't um, offer service to Americans or can't do business in America, as opposed to regulating Americans, saying Americans can't download TikTok, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, I think the, the cleanest way to try to accomplish a ban would be to prevent the app from being made available in the various app stores. Mm-hmm. That doesn't, it's not a complete solution, right? Because you can still sideload on Android and you can sideload on Apple too, as long as you don't mind violating the terms of service. But um, uh, so, so it, it, um, it's not clear how easy it is to get 100% compliance with a ban, right? Um, a, a ban would have a significant amount of effect, but it would never get to zero. If, it got to, if we had the ability to um, reduce crime on the internet to zero, right, piracy would not be a real thing. Mm-hmm. And do you think there would be repercussions for other, you know, Chinese-made apps in the U.S.? Do you think that, like, if, if TikTok were to be banned, like, there would be the next, you know, the next thing that they would want to ban? Or do you think it could be, like, just, like, a one-and-done thing specific to TikTok? Technically, right, group liability is not the sort of thing that uh, the judicial system usually endorses. Mm-hmm. So uh, a ban on TikTok, I think, would be focused on the ByteDance company, TikTok's parent corporation, mm-hmm. and regulate them, but not otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, just follow up on your, your your previous answer there about how this would be accomplished. Just from a statutory construction standpoint, trying to understand what levers Congress would turn to try to actually effectuate this. Is it uh, a bill that's passed? Is it an order telling Apple and Google to take this out of your app stores? Uh, how do you do that in a way that uh, maybe doesn't create takings problems? Like, What are the actual levers that would be pulled? Yeah, it's a good question. And I'm not familiar with the nuances of all the bills that are under consideration, but I think most of them are directed at ByteDance. Okay. Um, I, I actually think... I, I also think most of them are primarily signaling bills, okay. right? I, I, like Josh Hawley's banned TikTok bill. I don't know that it's really intended to be right. uh, adopted. It's more intended to raise the question. Okay. If you want to talk about like uh, legislation that stands a good chance of surviving judicial review, something mm-hmm. more narrow than a nationwide ban, uh, the most likely uh, path is through the CFIUS, um, mm-hmm. uh, the CFIUS. Uh, protocols, which is where TikTok has been for the last three or four years. Mm-hmm. CFIS has authority to de- to regulate um, what uh, goods and services can come into the United States okay. and on what conditions. And so placing conditions that survive constitutional muster on ByteDance as a condition of continuing to allow TikTok on American shores would be 
the, the way to go. We've talked at a few points here about how this is a you know strikingly bipartisan issue in an era where very little seems to be bipartisan. How has this become so bipartisan? It's a good question. I think um, there is a little bit of sort of COVID hangover. Um, not, and uh, I don't want to sort of jump to the arguments that some TikTok proponents are making. This is all just kind of xenophobia because I don't think that's act- completely accurate. Uh, but I do think um, there's uh, some concern that uh, post-COVID we've seen that the relationship between China and the United States is uh, unique and significant, and China has p- places where they can um, exert leverage against us, either consciously or unintentionally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a concern that um, the more information we funnel back to the CCP, uh, the more we may uh, they may be able to use it against us in order to cause additional pain points. And so I, I think the, the national security implications are the thing that's driving uh, the why why there's such a bipartisan consensus on TikTok in particular, but we are seeing more of a bipartisan consensus at least at the ten thousand foot level on the need to regulate social media more generally. Right, uh, and so it, it kind of flows out of that as well. Sure. So you know, looking at the different proposals, and you alluded to, to to one of them. You know, some of them are predominantly from GOP lawmakers, and you know, they specifically target TikTok, and they don't have as much support from Democrats. You have the Restrict Act. Uh, they're restricting the emergence of security threats that risk information and communicate. You know how these acronyms tend to go. Sure. Uh, you know, which is a you know bipartisan bill. It's more likely to pass. You talked about uh, CFIS. There's a variety of approaches that they're out there, and then you also have this issue of. Well, you know, wait a minute. It seems like Facebook and Twitter, like they're kind of doing some of the same things, except maybe they're uh, showing you advertisements for, you know, collecting information from more benign purposes than, mm-hmm. than TikTok is alleged to, to be able to do. Um, so it, it sounds like this, this Cephas route might hold water. Like is, is there a sense for if, if this were to work, like which, you know, which way of dealing with this has a higher chance of actually happening? So something like the CFIS route or some legislation that's going in the same direction that CFIS is going, the White House is sort of thinking along those lines, um, nudging Congress in that direction, sure. is probably the, mo- the most likely. If, if we see some development in this area, I think that's most likely. Sure. And it would be um, some combination of um, ownership limitations, right, making sure that um, TikTok is being managed not by ByteDance but by um, – uh, a, a company that doesn't have clear connections with uh, the Chinese Communist Party, or um, data offshoring restrictions, right? Making sure that the data that's being collected on American uh, users is kept in the United States and uh, subject to very strict data transfer protocols. The latter is certainly where TikTok is going. Yeah. Uh, that's what they would like, and that what they've offered at CFIS. True. Last question I wanted to ask: You know, some commentators look at this and say that beneath the surface here, you have American tech companies, so Google's you. YouTube, Instagram, all the rest, who've tried very intensely in the last few years, but have been unable to replicate TikTok's success in the sort of short mass viral video format. Uh, you know, YouTube has shorts, there's reels, there's story. You know, other companies have tried to, you know, replicate the, you know, exponential growth of TikTok, but, no, you know, no one's really been able to, to do it from a competitive standpoint. And of course, if TikTok were banned, you have U.S. tech companies that seek to fill the void and, and would certainly profit from that. They're some of the largest lobbyists um, in Washington. Do you think those politics are a- at play here? You know, you've had, uh, you know, with the whole like Section 230 debate, what do we do with the tech companies? Some people point out how many children of, of people in Congress work for tech companies. You know, some of these bills seem to just, uh, you know, die on the floor. Do, do you think that the American tech companies, that lobby is, is playing some kind of a role here? There, there is certainly an undercurrent 
that what we're really seeing is industrial policy with a thin foreign policy veneer, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not the first time that's come up. This was also an issue um, five or six years ago when Huawei mm -hmm. uh, equipment was banned from uh, American networks, right? And so the American government uh, required telecom companies to go and rip out all the Huawei um, uh, equipment and to pressure our allies to do the same. Mm -hmm. And it was never really made public how much of the Huawei concern was legitimate mm -hmm. rather than how much was concerned that Huawei was just beating mm -hmm. um, American uh, manufacturers in, in the marketplace. Um, so in other words, it was more legitimate than the competitive piece or the other way around? So I, I would say um, both concerns were on the table. Mm -hmm. And although um, the, the Huawei rip and replace stuff got done, mm -hmm. and it got done under national security rationale, it was never really clear how much of this was just um, in effect to undo the results of market competition. Okay. There's certainly a number of analysts who think that's the case. Mm -hmm. I haven't taken a position on that because I haven't looked at the data sure. either way, and I'm not sure I could get the data, mm -hmm. but it's only whispers. Okay. Uh, I think there, there, you could tell a story in which the TikTok ban is something similar. The reason why I don't think that's um, the, the predominant uh, force in this situation is that A, those competitors who would benefit are themselves in the crosshairs politically, right? Um, and B, uh, you have a very strong national security story to tell here mm -hmm. about the role of data privacy and data information um, and what it can be used for um, in order to uh, advance uh, a geopolitical foe's uh, intelligence purposes. Sure. Very interesting stuff. Well, this has been BC Law's Just Law Podcast. I'm Tom Blake with Jim Fiore. I've been talking to Professor Daniel Lyons about the TikTok ban and everything that's going on with that in Washington. Uh, Professor Lyons, thank you very much for hey, coming Hey, thank in. you very much. Appreciate it. Awesome. Until next time, that'll do it for this one. Thanks for tuning in.